Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. For to sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Jacob went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. And there was no bread in all the land for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle, if money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, 
and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for all their cattle for that year. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year, and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. Only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the increase that ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own, for seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. Welcome to our journey through Genesis. We are looking at the history of God's redemptive purposes through the people of Israel, who are the descendants of this man, also known as Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Imperfect men, but men with whom he had a covenant. And their imperfections give us hope. Unlike the history books about our heroes, the Bible shows all the warts and flaws of its heroes. And this gives us hope. So in our story, there has been a famine in the land of Canaan, where Jacob's family lives. And they go to Egypt for food, where his long-lost son Joseph is prime minister. Uh, the king, Pharaoh, had had a prophetic dream that Joseph had interpreted for him. And the dream was that Egypt was going to experience seven abundant years, followed by seven years of famine. And Pharaoh was very concerned, well, what do I do? And Jacob's counsel was, well, collect 20% of everybody's harvest during the seven years of plenty, and then you'll have an abundance on hand to provide to the people during the seven years of famine. Then during the famine, they begin to sell the food. Doesn't that sound like the government? They take from you, and then they dole out to you, and in defense of Joseph, maybe they had to pay storage fees, they had to pay the workers that dispense this stuff so volunteers aren't doing everything. Maybe they had to buy dog food for the dogs that were keeping the rats away. 
time of famine, you know, every creator suffers, right? And so the culture has shifted where the people have given 20% of their, their gross income from their farming for seven years, and now they're having to buy what they gave. One commentary said maybe he sold it at the price they bought some grain from from neighboring nations. I don't know, but the famine was so severe that all the people ran out of silver. The money failed. The banks were emptied unless it was Pharaoh's bank. Even Canaan ran out of silver. And the famine still wasn't over. So Joseph, for Pharaoh, working for Pharaoh, collected all the livestock over a period of time. People would get so much grain for a cow or a donkey or a horse or a sheep. It's interesting that uh, Pharaoh had asked Joseph in this chapter to find some able men from his brothers who could oversee his livestock, not knowing eventually he would own all the livestock in the land. So these brothers of Joseph had a job. When they ran out of livestock, there was still more famine to go through. So the people began to turn over their real estate, their farms. Eventually all began to be owned by Pharaoh. In addition to their real estate, they offered themselves to be slaves to Pharaoh, to pay him back. Then the famine was over. And now Joseph allows them to use their farms provided that they return 20%. Now in their defense, they had still had enough food left over to provide seed to the farms with a promise that they would return 20%. Back to that 20% thing again. That they would start up the 20% tax again on their farms. And the text says, as it is to this day. So I thought, well, uh, I wonder what the tax rate is now in Egypt. So I looked it up. If you make 40000 a year or more up to a certain point, then it gets higher. But 40000 is the minimum. Make $40,000 a year. Your tax rate is 20%. I thought, I wonder what America is. Well, if you make 41000 and change and you're not a head of a household and you file individually, your tax rate is 22% before deductions. So things don't change, do they? <laughs> I've got good news. God's kingdom is greater than human government. Amen? If you want to throw America under the bus, you're criticizing one of the greatest nations in the world, and you want to compare us to another nation, well, we'll look at their tax rates. We'll look at what it's like to live there. We'll look at their freedoms and their liberties. All human governments have problems. Why? Because we're governed by a bunch of sinners. And they're having to govern a bunch of sinners. You could say it like this, God's kingdom is greater than human government, or human government is less than God's kingdom. Watch this. 
prior to Jesus beginning his public ministry on earth, his cousin John the baptizer, John the dipper, the immerser, the baptist, went throughout the land calling people to repent. And his message was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, repent, repent. They look so forward to God's kingdom as prophesied in the scriptures to come and set them free from the Romans. Christ came. He proclaimed the same thing. It's called the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. But to their disappointment, he did not address the Roman problem. He addressed the sin problem. In fact, that was a purpose in which he came, was to relieve human suffering and to give commands that addressed the sin problem. He healed bodies and gave commands that healed relationships. If you repent of being divisive, if you repent of being hateful, if you repent of slander, if you repent of um, vengefulness, you'll be living under the reign of Jesus. He didn't look like it to them, but he was a king who came to bring authority back to mankind, to live over and above our original problem that separated us from God and one another. Every miracle he did was a military assault against the kingdom of darkness. Humankind, no matter what kind of government you have, lives under a spiritual government called the kingdom of darkness. And when we are born again into the kingdom of God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. We are then translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It was most easily seen in people that were looked down upon being liberated by Christ. People that were condemned by their sin, like that woman caught in adultery. He rescued her with the truth from being stoned. And told her, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. So the kingdom of God is where the will of God is done. He told us how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As important as it is to have a righteous person in government, in the houses of government, it's even more important to have righteous persons living in our houses. Who's ruling and reigning in this house is the issue. So I'm going to make five comparisons today, five couplets, five pairs of statements, comparing human government with God's government. And you'll see over and over again, the kingdom of God is better. The kingdom is here, yet the kingdom is coming. There is a greater level of the kingdom we look forward to. But between the now and the then, we live in the not yet. We live in the kingdom of God, looking for ways to submit to his will, to bring his will to earth, just as it's being done in heaven. Is there hatefulness in heaven? Vengefulness in heaven? No. This is why not everybody's going to heaven. If everybody, you know, in Texas at funerals, it seems like everybody becomes a universalist. If universalism is true, then guess what? 
Heaven becomes earth too. The worst thing about being in jail isn't the bars, the walls, and the smells. It's the people you're stuck in there with. There's some bad dudes in there. So heaven is for the righteous. And so between now and our existence there, we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth just as it's being done in heaven. Lord, make our houses a picture of heaven where praise is a true way of life, where pain never turns into strife, where forgiveness is our culture. God's kingdom is greater than human government. In the next book, we're almost to the end of Genesis. We're not going to go straight on to the next book. (laughs) This is week number 57 in the book of Genesis. We have three more to go. The first chapter of Exodus says there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Joseph basically, just like governments do, they don't waste a disaster, right? To gain more power. He basically set it up for this to be a full-blown communism country ruled by a dictator. He owned everything. Human governments are temporary. They come and go. They rise and fall. The Iron Curtain came down. And boundaries move. And so the kings of the earth are attempting to address this. But it's like, you know, running with water in your hand. It's not easy to do. It's hard. Why? People are sinful. Earthly governments are temporary. Only God's kingdom is eternal. In the book of Daniel, he interpreted a dream for the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And this word comes from that story in chapter 2, verse 44. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was a dream of an image of a being that started out gold, then became silver, then became brass, and became iron, then became clay mixed with iron. Picture of the different kinds of the kingdoms of the world. Nebuchadnezzar's empire was the gold head. And in the dream, out of a mountain came a stone made without hands that began to roll across the face of the earth. And as it rolled, it got bigger and bigger like a snowball until it struck the feet of that image and crumbled the whole thing, crushed it into powder. That stone, I believe, was the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a stone upon which the church is built. It's interesting to me that when he was born, they laid him in a manger. Mangers in that part of the world are stone tubs carved out of stone. I've showed pictures here before of them. Here's the stone made without hands, laid in a stone bed. Is he crushing the kingdoms of the world? Not yet, but he will. But right now he's gaining velocity and gaining power and gaining strength in bringing people into the kingdom through repentance and faith. Two chapters later, after trying to burn 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and failing to do so, Nebuchadnezzar said these words about the Lord. He said, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Somebody said, the kingdom is forever. All earthly leaders always have to be replaced. Who remembers Gaddafi? We just passed an anniversary. He's been dead for 10 years. Remember when he was terrorizing folks with his Colonel Gaddafi? Somebody shot him in the head and he went down. He was assassinated. He's long gone. Earthly leaders are always replaced. Stalin's gone. Hitler's gone. Our country's founders are gone. It's it's a temporary thing. They're all replaced. But Jesus' reign over God's kingdom is forever and ever and ever. Isaiah says this in prophesying about him. We quote this at Christmas and don't necessarily connect it to the kingdom. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His enemies are going to fall. They're limited by their lifespans. He is unlimited. Governmental policies always change. If you don't think our government changes, people run campaigns. If you vote for me, I'll cancel out what the last guy did. If you don't believe that's true, just speak to some Native Americans about what they've gone through for the last couple of centuries, of all the changes, the bait and switch that our government has done. Why? People are wicked. Who's here part of a homeowner's association? Are the current policies of your homeowner's association exactly what they were when the homeowner's association was founded? (laughs) There's amendments, there's improvements, there's deprovements. It's problems. Entropy is at work. The Lord's kingdom and his will is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You could take what he says to the bank. Some people think the Bible's a big book. Before I get to the concordance, my Bible is around 1,100 pages. If you take our law books and put them side by side, It's over seven feet of papers. I don't know how many pages that is. And that's not counting your HOA policy. Numbers. This is Balaam, who's hired by King Balak to curse God's people, and he couldn't do it. Everything he said was the truth. And this is what came out of his mouth. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? 
You can take it to the bank. Now, his timing isn't like ours. He doesn't view time like we are. He's not limited by time. He's not threatened by time. Peter expressed it like this. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So time is insignificant to the Lord. Well, I prayed sincerely with all my heart according to the Scriptures, and I still haven't received the answer. Well, I believe, if that is true, that somewhere along the timeline of your life, you'll experience the fulfillment of that. And if you're a believer, you're never going to die. Your body will. But we're going to live forever, right? And so it's not like the answer's on the way to us. We're on our way to the answer. If, we, if we're linear thinkers, you know, we think from left to right. So this is my life. And I stop and I pray about something. Man, I pray biblically. I, I pray. I really seek the Lord. And I believe he heard me. I believe he gave me a sense that, that my prayer has been answered. But there's no answer. No answer. But then one day the answer comes. Why did it take so long? Well, God lines up things all according to the uh, purpose of his will. And so the day you asked, he heard and he answered. But he sent it to the timeline of your life. I believe this with all my heart because of experience. So the answer's not on the way to me. No, I'm on my way to the answer. God's word never changes. It's true. He doesn't lie. He makes his promises good. Now, he won't violate his word. He's not going to be mocked. And those who teach the never die doctrine, you know what? They all die. <laughs> they misunderstand statements by Jesus. He who believes in me will never die. Their bodies die. They live forever. But they believe it applied to their bodies. There was a couple here in Granbury. They drank lots of grape juice. And they got old, really old, preaching the never die doctrine. We're the fulfillment of it. I, mean, I can't imagine them at 200 years old what that would be like. You know why old people move so slow? It hurts to move fast. My daddy, as he, as he grew old, I attempted to counsel him with a couple scriptures from the Psalms, one of, one of which says, teach me, Lord, to number my days, that I may have a heart to know wisdom. And another one, teach me, Lord, that I may know how frail I am. And he says, I don't receive that. I don't believe that. I can do anything an 18-year-old can do. He says, Dad, can you do jumping jacks? I never did like to do jumping jacks. <laughs> We don't like growing old, but it's happened. You can pray against it, but it's contrary to the written word. Things are going to go wrong and we're going to die. Our bodies are. But thank the Lord, through Christ we have eternal life. Amen. Governments gain power through problems. Oh, the government needs to do something about this problem. Are you sure? Because once they start a program, it never stops. 
and it gains power. They don't waste, what was it that guy said? Let's not waste a disaster. They attempt to gain power through problems. We see it happening right now in America. We can rant and rave about it, but this is the way governments operate. Well, it's not the way a constitutional republic should operate. That's true. But who's in government? A bunch of sinners. Here's Joseph, righteous Joseph. Up until this point, I believed he's the only biblical hero that had no flaws. This is a big oops that God used because <laughs> Joseph's family is going to be enslaved for 400 years according to the will of God, and then they're going to come out of it. Boy, that'll make your brain. And I'm sure they prayed for freedom, but the answer didn't come for 400 years, and then it came along the timeline of their kinfolks. The kingdom of God displays power through problems. Give him a mess, he'll make a message. Give him a trial, he'll make a triumph. Make a mistake, and he'll make it look like he willed it. That's how merciful, redemptive, and restorative he is. In Matthew 12, Jesus addressing people, who was challenging him, saying, you're casting out demons through the prince of demons. He says, if I'm doing that, how are your children casting them out? I love his humor. They were, they were speechless because none of them were casting out demons. If you were demonized, you were in trouble. Sorry. But he said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. To be demonized is a problem. It drives you to destroy everything in your life. It'll drive you to suicide. And if you open the door to demons, go to somebody and say, hey, I'm having some problems. I don't know how it all started. Get ministry and get set free of those tormenting voices. If you're unable to sleep, watch out for the thoughts that race through your head. They may not be the Lord. Human governments often have secrets to hide. Who knows that's true? Where's, where's Ed Snowden at right now? In Russia? Hiding for revealing government secrets. This is the nature of governments. God's kingdom has secrets to reveal to us. How many know more now than you did? God's revealing his secrets to you. He's not hiding them from you. In Mark 4, when delivering some parables, he told his followers, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. I'm telling you guys, mysteries in these stories, the prideful and the arrogant, don't get the point. But you do, because you lower yourself down to the level of seeing soil as a metaphor for yourself. So you can see how much you need my word. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Matthew 13, 11. Words of Jesus. In Luke 8, verse 10, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God 
has been given to you, to his disciples. Can we say this together? God's kingdom is greater than human government. What about the world? Really? Is this kingdom thing more than just an American religious thing? Is it global? Is missions all that important? Look at what Jesus said. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Let's translate the word gospel. Good news. This good news of God's kingdom is going to be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Why hasn't it ended yet? We haven't fulfilled it yet. We've got a job to do, either to go or to send, to pray and support those that are willing to go, and to receive, because nations are sending missionaries here. Who knows we need help reaching America, don't we? They're sending missionaries here. We receive them and, and uh, help us spread the gospel of the kingdom. I'm not done yet, but I just want to pray. Lord, I pray that the news of your kingdom, the goodness of being a citizen of the kingdom, Lord, may it hit home in every heart in this room. That we would see ourselves as being so much more than temporary U.S. citizens. But Lord, we are eternal kingdom citizens. And Lord, until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God, help us to occupy until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. So churches support missionaries, but individuals support missionaries. If there's a missionary you love, don't come to me and say, here's a missionary the church needs to support. Look at yourself. Is this a good missionary? Well, seek counsel to confirm they're not out there just, you know, playing games on the mission field. And support them. You are the church. We are the church. Somehow we have this dichotomy in our minds, the church and the us. You can give through the church, yes, definitely. And we want to know about good missionaries as well. So come, come to us and tell us. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. One of the missionaries we supported from the get-go, from the beginning of this church, was Messianic Jewish Bible Institute. At the time, Jews were becoming believers in Yeshua as their Messiah, by the thousands in Eastern Europe and in South America. And they started their first Messianic Jewish Bible Institute started in the Ukraine, Odessa, Ukraine. The Iron Curtain had come down. Gospel was able to go into atheistic part of Europe and Russia. And here's the Jews needing to hear the good news of the kingdom. And they're responding. And so Messianic Jewish Bible Institute was set up in Odessa, Ukraine. That was their first campus. They set up multiple campuses over the following uh, 20 years or so. And these Bible schools for Jews became church planting institutions. 
the graduates would leave, go back to their hometowns, and plant new congregations. Sounds like the book of Acts, right? But eventually, over time, it seemed to have served its purpose. And they dissolved the institutes, and they're on their own. Well, one of the ministries that we kept in touch with was that first one in Odessa, Ukraine. Val and Tatiana Sviontek had come to America, become citizens, had their own business. He had a limousine company, had his own limousine. And they were living a good life in America, and God called them to go back to the Ukraine and to work with their people there. And so they went there to help set up this Bible school, and out of this Bible school, they planted a congregation that's still going today. So we keep in touch with them. And they are responsible for keeping in touch with what the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute was doing in Zimbabwe with the Limba people, which is one of the lost tribes of Israel. If you read the book of Nehemiah, uh, in the Nehemiah revival, if at the, in the last chapter, if you had a wife that wasn't Jewish, they kicked you out. And so there was a whole people group kicked out. They went, went down and lived in Yemen for years. Then they came across the Red Sea, lived in Tanzania, and now they live in Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and South Africa. So they were an unreached people group. And in the last, I want to say, 12 years, 10,000 have become believers. So that was the last big successful story the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute had. Well, now Jewish Partner Initiative, based in Odessa, Ukraine, still keeps that ministry alive and servicing it. So here's a report from Val and Tatiana Sviontek, what the kingdom of God is doing from Odessa, Ukraine. Watch this. Shalom, dear friends. We are Valentin and Tatiana Sviontek. We are founders of Jewish Partner Initiative. The 2021 was and is the difficult year. Around the world, people are hoping that this pandemic can be overcome by medical terms. But we know this crisis can be overcome by Yeshua the Messiah. As the believer, we need to trust in Him in this not easy time in the world. But I want to say thank you. Thank you for staying with us, being with us. This is a very important time. Jewish Partner Initiative is using this time to advance the Kingdom of God. What we have done in this crisis is very important. We fed a thousand Jewish needy people in Ukraine, Belarus, Israel. This is what your gift and contribution can do. We were able to help Messianic Jewish retreat, leadership retreat, in early this May, and more than 250 people attended pastors and leaders. We also have started rehab program in Ukraine. During the COVID-19 lockdown, we had an amazing opportunity to start a children's program online. With this program, we are able to reach many communities, including countries like Israel, Russia, Ukraine, Belarus. And many children and parents right. are thankful, very grateful. I mean, I, I'm amazed by what the online can do. We have a Bible school that is online now and hundreds of people that sign in for the classes and it's overwhelming our expectation. In June 2021, Tatiana and I went to Zimbabwe 
for graduation of Bible school. Students of Lamba people who receive the diploma of completion of Jewish Messianic study, and it's a bachelor degree. And all of that will not be happened without your support and help. August was not only a hot month for us. It was very busy, it was very exciting because yes. we held a youth camp. And we had ages from 8 to 12 and from 12 to 21. And God did a lot of amazing things in this camp. The biggest miracle is the decision that young people made it. In the end of the camp, we have a people who made a decision to follow Yeshua and was baptized. And that is a miracle yes, of the miracle. camp. And this is why I would say it was not only a hot month of the summer, but it was a busiest and a very excited one. We want to extend special thanks for those partners who helped us with a special initiative. It was a building initiative. Our building was hazardous condition, and you help us to restore it, to fix it for normal conditions to um, useful conditions. Thank you so much for being with us at that period of time. Upcoming big outreach that we have just few, a month ahead of us is Hanukkah. Hanukkah outreach is the main focus in the end of the year. And eight cities, three countries, will held outreach to the needy Jewish families to give them Yeshua as a Messiah and an answer to their lives. Please help us to reach out to those lost sheep of Israel. We're expecting more than 1,200 people in three countries that we held or will held the outreach for Hanukkah. Thank you for standing with us in this season. The Great Commission has been the greatest call of our life and our desire to take the gospel to the Jewish people first, to reach out to them, to care for the needy, to help the brokenhearted, and uh, to extend the kingdom of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. And you are part of this Great Commission. You are the family that we are part of. Thank you for standing with Jewish Partner Initiative. Thank you. Thinking along these lines, some people have a question. It's a legitimate question. Well, what about the needy people here? Let me define who the needy people are that we're assigned to take care of. Widows, orphans, and disaster victims. But biblically, if they're sluggards, read the book of Proverbs. It's, it's helping them is like just making their problems worse. We helped a sluggard once repair her car, and she wound up in jail because she was committing crimes with her car in Fort Worth. Shouldn't have repaired her car. She'd have been free. Widows, orphans, and disaster victims, we help them. People that are just getting on their feet, obviously they need help. But lazy folks, Paul said if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. 
Well, they're a disaster. Well, drugs are a disaster, but you've got to be careful you're not enabling an addiction and then kicking yourself when you're at their funeral. I should have stopped the support anyway. So the nations are coming to us. The foreigners are coming here. Why, why, why do we care about the nations of the world? Because they may come here. Let's reach them while they're there so they don't come here. But those that are coming here, let's don't resist them, give them a cold shoulder, scowl at them. They need Jesus. Love them. Share some Christian love with them. Can I get a big amen? Amen. amen. Missions comes home. It just does. There is a teacher at Tarrant County Community College in South Fort Worth named Dr. John David. He is a PhD in education. He was head of their IT department. Now he's a professor. He was a 14-year-old boy when we met him on a mission in Liberia. I was nine. He, we got close to him. He became the guy that my parents used to be a babysitter when they needed one. It came home. Civil War hit their country. He had to flee for his life. They were killing all the educated folks. He came to America. He's a productive citizen here. So missions comes home. It blesses us. It blesses us. And they help us reach our own nation as well. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, we would see the value of your kingdom. And Lord, when we're disappointed by earthly kingdoms, Lord, may we not be shocked, but may we draw close to you and look forward to the day we're getting ready for in Jesus' name, amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus So every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak. soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is life break every stronghold shine through the shadow Jesus from the mountains and 
Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. For my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows. Just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life church lived communally for eight years Acts 2 3 4 till persecution arose and they scattered and went back home to their hometowns because the day the church was born 3,000 people from out of town got saved and stayed right there and then it came to an end and communists often use that story as to prove communism but everybody that I know of that has ever tried to reproduce that communal living it eventually goes south, comes to an end. I lived in a Christian trailer park for a while. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was on the church grounds, and guess who the latest people to church were? It was the trailer park people. 
God means for us to live out there in the world. But for a season, it meant a need. And in Joseph's case, for a season, it meant a need. I'm sorry to have thrown him under the bus. But when government does something, you know, the new Pharaoh rose, and that's what messed things up. Anyway, Is there anybody here that needs a, this is so random, is there anybody here that needs a dryer? I have a free dryer right here. Looks like a cell phone. Anybody here need a dryer? Man. Yes. Okay. Need a dryer. Anybody here could help transport a dryer? Okay. Uh, get with a hand raised there in the back after service. Y'all come to me. I'll give you the phone number. The dryer is available anyway. Amen. God's good. The book of Acts church grew in such a way that no one lacked. Met all their needs. Maybe not their wants, but all their needs were met. I didn't say, is anybody here that wants a new Rolls Royce? It's just a dryer. That's a need, right? That's a need. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may his kingdom that never ends increase in your life. May his will be done as it is in heaven in your home, on your job, in your church, in your community, in your neighborhood, and in your kinfolks. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Go get them, tigers. Amen.